You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. From here. Hey, guess what, White Sox fans? White Sox are down 1 0 in the American League Divisional Series to the Houston Astros. Uh, we are talking because we promised we would. I'm not sure how many of us want to do it after that game, but it's a, pod, it's a post-game podcast. It's number five. Uh, we've had some fun po- post-game podcasts like Carlos Rodon, no hitters, and then we have this one. But we are going to try to dissect today's game a little bit. We're going to try to preview tomorrow's, which is clearly going to be a win for the White Sox, and set them on their way to AD, ALDS championship. Uh, uh, and maybe we'll even focus more on that because that's going to be more fun to talk about. But let's address some basics of the game before I go around to my wonderful guests who have really mustered some courage to hang out for this post-game podcast. Uh, 6-1 loss with White Sox. White Sox never really in this game. Uh, you know, flip a coin. Who's to blame? A lot of debate. Uh, one way or the other, certainly the offense has to bear a ton, seven hits, but really hardly, uh, any real, uh, mustard effort, uh, scoring their one run, uh, no walks, not a great sign, especially for a team that's going to be real eager to get out there and hit tomorrow. Uh, and of course, Lance Lynn, not a great start. No way to look around it. Uh, no way to get around the fact, not a great start for him. Uh, so, uh, I guess, um, Thoughts on this game, um, one way or the other. Uh, we got Jackie Cresta with us. She's I'm, I'm estimating her about medium vibes, normally good vibes. I think it's about medium vibes. Uh, Joe Reeses, of course, out of the Indianapolis field office, always bringing some good vibes. Maybe he's going to have a cool Sox math twist to something that's going to give me hope that the White Sox can win uh, this series. And it's uh, rest and smile face. Uh, Zach Hayes is with us too. And I know he's going to provide us some, inf- uh, uh, some inspiration for a game two victory because he, among maybe all three of you, felt 
uh, Lance Lynn should be the game one starter. So that's cool. That's in the books. And now we got Giolito coming in for a game two where maybe the advantage goes to the White Sox in the starting pitching battle. But let's talk about this six to one loss. Not a great effort. Not what you want to see coming out of the box, but uh, your thoughts. Um, I think it would be easy to blame this loss on Lance Lynn because he was the most immediate thing that you saw that was going awry. Um, but I cannot pin this on, on Lance Lynn, even though he didn't have a good outing. I'm going to pin this on the offense not showing up. Uh, we didn't have a hit until what inning? The fourth or fifth? Yeah, it was deep into the game. Yes. Um, you know, Aloy's got to come back. Yaz has to come back. He struck out on a, a few icky pitches. Um, I'm blaming it on the offense, and I... I have no good vibes today. I have no good vibes <laughs> oh, today. Oh, man. <laughs> You're downgraded to no. All right. We, we, I'll allow we, lost, it. we lost in the most demoralizing way yeah. that like um, solidified everyone's fears going into this series. And it was just, uh, and to the fucking Astros. Yeah, and maybe, well, we'll, and maybe we'll get to it, uh, but it's worth interjecting. We have to listen to A.J. Prasinski, who, let's face it, is a White Sox hero running down the White Sox and running up the Astros, which was, I got to say, not what I expected. But uh, Joe, Zach, uh, uh, feelings about this 6-1 to demoralizing uh, loss. I had a very slight preference for Giolito starting this game, but really I won't complain about that. I mean, if it wasn't going to be Giolito, I, I would have, you know, I was totally fine with having Giolito and Lynn in either order going for games one and two. And, I was fine with the decision with Lynn to pitch this game. It just didn't work out as the White Sox would have hoped. He did, of course, rely a lot on the fastball and the the cutter, which, I mean, it's a different pitch than his straight four-seamer. But, uh, yeah, the Astros were kind of – they realized that they didn't really have to they, – they could pretty much just sit on the fastball, and they would that would pretty much serve them well after a while because he just wasn't throwing any – breaking stuff uh, tonight and it was they solved it pretty easily so it just wasn't the result that we would have wanted um, and just need need more situational situational hitting it uh, yeah Sox didn't have a hit with runners in scoring position until um, a Braves RBI single of course a Brave would have the only RBI of the game for the White Sox he just tends to do that and um, yeah, it's not not the game that we would have wanted to have. Like you said, the outcome was never really in question. And um, it um, yeah, the bit of a silver lining is that they did make Ryan Presley throw twenty one yeah. pitches. I was kind of surprised when he took the mound for the ninth in this six nothing or in a six to one game. Um, but um, thanks, I'll, Dusty. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. And that's that's I think the most positive thing that happened during the game. Zach, you've been pretty vocal in pointing out the folly of calling uh, Lynn just a fastball pitcher, uh, which is cool. But, I mean, you'll acknowledge that it's not exactly like Giolito thrown out there with his array of uh, uh, change-ups, et cetera, as well. So, uh, clearly, as I think, you know, Joe explained, I mean, it was, you know, at some point probably easy, especially once you get behind, to just really sit on what Lynn is is chucking up there. Uh, but, at any rate... Give me some thoughts on, on, on the game from, from your perspective. Yeah, I don't, I don't see the pitch selection being as big of a deal as, as some might. Cause also 
you know, the cut, he varies that cutter a lot. There's sometimes where it looks like a slider and it's 83 miles an hour. There's sometimes it's 89 miles an hour and it's a lot straighter. I think the, he just wasn't commanding anything. Well, he wasn't yeah. executing his pitches. Uh, and the Astros were then able to sit on what they were looking for because he wasn't hitting, hitting the edges of, uh, of the plate with that cutter. He wasn't tunneling it. Well, uh, that being said, I might be the most like op- weirdly optimistic bunch, bunch of everyone here kind of, um, Riding off of what Joe just said, I'm really, really interested. I mean, Graveman and Presley are their two. They're their, those are their two guys at the back what? end of the bullpen. Uh, I think that kind of tells you something about how the Astros are approaching the rest of the series. This is the game that they think they needed to win. Yeah. This is the game they had the big advantage on paper in because not only does McCullers have the experience, he shreds the White Sox. Uh, now you have the reverse dynamic going in tomorrow where Giolito has that recent playoff experience and he has pitched historically pretty well against the Astros. So uh, that I think kind of tells me something. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what their, the, the health situation is with those guys. They both threw 20 pitches. Uh, you know, I, I don't mind that at all, uh, assuming they don't get swept and we knock on wood and we end up playing in a game four or a game five. Uh, that's going to be something that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Yeah. And on top of it, Zach Presley's out there and he's like freaked out about the, his home mound. It's like another thing that's like getting in his head. It's like, I'm thinking, why is his closer even in this game? I mean, I understand he has a lot of options. White Sox pitching staff top to bottom do pretty much have an advantage here. So I know it's, it's like, well, okay, who else is Dusty going to throw out there, but it's a five run lead and you, you're overworking a guy who you're not even certain. I mean, I know this is desperation time can go out there for another 20 pitches and be effective at all. Not like he was terribly effective today, but they can go back just tomorrow and do the same thing on this uh, mound. Apparently that he, he doesn't like, I don't know what was going on with that. That was sort of like a, you know, not to try to look for little Easter eggs in this game, but I mean, that's a sort of nice late gift that, you know, Dusty or the Astros handed the White Sox. Jack, you made me feel better. <laughs> wow. I don't know how often that's ever been said. This, I'm throwing the flag. Uh, this may be a first. Zach Hayes, I'll forget it. Not, it's I'm, not resting, smiling face. You're going happy zach I'm, hey i'm i'm along for the ride i'm not panicking you know i'm i did you think they were gonna sweep i didn't think they were gonna sweep i mean i didn't think they were gonna take two in houston you know if they lose tomorrow it's gonna be it's gonna be brutal but like yeah. i i'm almost in a way like this wasn't anything we haven't seen before i think we've seen them have these games a number of times and a lot of times we've seen them bounce right back the next day and uh and and do a lot better and the offense did for better or worse or for worse, I mean, it didn't come until the eighth inning, but they did wind up with seven hits and <laughs> got a very loud roommate in the background here. <laughs> Maybe joining us, but uh, yeah, no, like it's, they weren't completely shut down by the end. They got a little bit of stuff going. It wasn't one of those things where it's like, oh my God, we're completely clueless. I think they might've been a little bit rattled by the inconsistent strike zone. Uh, you saw, I think Darren DJ pointed out on the radio, um, that a lot of those kind of dinky little ground balls, weak little grounders that we saw were a pitch or two after a close call in the corner that, you know, they didn't get. And it went both ways. Uh, it didn't really swing the game either way. But I think that's one of the things where you saw in the Astros. And first, I, I didn't think this was going to matter that much, but I might have been wrong where the Astros were looking like a team. They didn't let that phase them. They knew what they were looking for. McCullers executed his pitches and the White Sox hitters looked a little bit frustrated out there. Yeah, uh, but I don't think that's something that's going to like sink a series um, when it comes down to it. It makes me nervous. I wanted to see him more vulnerable. It makes me a little nervous for a game five because they really, they, they, they were helpless. And I mean, granted, 
McCullers would still have to come out and pitch his game. And he did. He was on. You're, you're probably not going to win that game. So we can debate Giolito, Chris Sale, whoever's going to go out there throwing today might not have beaten Lance McCullers. But, boy, I would have liked to see a little bit more of a run because he's got to be coming out for a game five if need be with uh, uh, confidence through the roof based on how he's historically treated the White Sox and then just did in game one. So that's a bummer. But, hey, listen, we're probably going to just run the table on three. So we're probably going to get to game five. Cool. Um, uh, let's talk about the, uh, uh the offense. Uh, I did look it up as you brought out right at the top, Jackie, uh, in terms of assigning blame in terms of just the win, um, win probability added, it is basically a wash between the negative, uh, factor of just Lance Lynn and the entire offense. So I think you could say it's not necessarily blame one or the other, but it's definitely a coin flip between the two because neither, you know, certainly neither were good. And, and Lance may have gotten squeezed on, on some pitches, but that's not enough, especially when you're saying, hey, he's the he's the number one pitcher in the playoffs because he's a veteran, because he's been there. You know, you can't say, well, he, you know, he got a little, you know, flustered with the plate or whatever. Uh, that's not for him. Uh, I was referring more to the offense with that. As yeah. so much then. He just wasn't, he just wasn't hitting the spots, you know? Yeah. Eloy and, looked like, Eloy looked lost out there. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, let's talk about uh, the offense that did that. You know, I mean, uh, I think uh, uh, Luis had a couple hits. Uh, uh, t- Tim got his 10th, I think his first four uh, career postseason games, not a bad clip, uh, but the offense, you know, a few, a few that could have done something is Monte Grandal with, uh, with men on uh, really gave the ball a ride, but you know, to the wrong part of the park. Uh, but offensively the team was poor and Eloy specifically looks really lost. And it's not like one guy is going to sink this offense, but uh, we need him to look like he's got a little bit more of a clue at the plate in, in game two. Correct. Yes, correct. Um, as you were saying, like it's pretty much a coin flip between Lynn's, Poor performance and the poor performance of the offense. So I know I didn't play the same game, but I was a pitcher in the game that I played. And so I, that's, that's one guy. And um, I'm a little worried about his health because the fact that he did throw so many fastballs, because if you're not hitting your spots with the other pitches, you are going to, he's going to revert back to his best pitch. Um, So that makes me a little worrisome, but the offense is nine guys. Like, come on, man. Come on. You, and when your pitcher is struggling like that, your offense has to pick them up. Your offense has to pick them up. Great how, teams do that. How about the call to have uh, Luis uh, Steele uh, on a catcher who has the gun he does? I mean, that was not close. Uh, is that too aggressive a base running move uh, early or are we okay with that? I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I mean, if if they score first, I think it's a different ball game. So that's true. I don't know necessarily what it looks like, but McCullers is good. You know, Louis got a bad jump. I don't, I just don't mind the decision. Is there concern? Uh, we'll head into our break and talk about tomorrow's game, but is there concern um, heading into tomorrow based on the fact that the, the, the club didn't walk today and it was being pitched on the broadcast on the Fox broadcast, at least uh, as some sort of great, job that the pitchers did by not walking anybody but i think you could argue that you know though there were some really good at bats uh there might have been a little bit of aggressiveness on the white Sox part that might only get picked up i believe that was aj Przinsky's prediction houston astros fan aj Przinsky's prediction was the white Sox were going to come out even more aggressive as if that was a good thing and i'm not sure if you don't walk in the game that that necessarily is 
Uh, are they going to swing themselves into a rut in game two? Or do you think this team has a smart enough offensive approach uh, to do it right and chip away at a pitcher who's maybe more gettable than McCullers? I trust them to bounce back, really. Um, yeah, McCullers was just going to be really tough to beat today, no matter what they did. Um, I, yeah, just because Sheets has shown us a lot of power and he has the ability to hit for extra bases, uh, I disagreed with the decision to run, but at the same time, it is Luis Robert. He's very fast. So, um, didn't really have an issue with it. I personally wouldn't have had him steal in that situation, but I would have. But really, like, it's understandable. It's one of those where I didn't think, like, I think that regardless of whether or not they attempted that stolen base or not, they just weren't going to win this game uh, And uh, against McCullers, pitching the way that he was. And uh, tomorrow the matchup is more favorable, and we'll get to that. But uh, I don't think that they will um, swing themselves into, into trouble when the pitches aren't coming in uh, over the plate for them. Well, let's continue that thought, uh, the offensive approach tomorrow and what's going to happen tomorrow uh, after our break. Let's take it. We'll be back in a minute with postgame podcast number five. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, minutes up. We're back. I've got, I guess we've determined bad vibe, medium. I think we, she got her back. We got her back to medium vibes, Jackie Crestle. Uh, she's here with us. Uh, Super Joseph Rhesus, bringing the analysis, bringing, uh, he's bringing some positivity. And listen, I'm upgrading him. Smiling Zach Hayes. He is bringing all our mood up here. He's the one guy who's non plus by this. He's like, whatever, game one, we burned it. We're going two, three, four, baby. Uh, and, and I like it. That's what we need uh, because this had the potential to be a low energy podcast and <laughs> including the host. But uh, here we are. We are pointed to game two now. Uh, still just still need to win three that hasn't been eliminated yet. We seemingly have a pitching advantage, uh, with Lucas Giolito, certainly not uh, a disadvantage. Uh, how do we think Giolito is going to pick up this team coming out is, uh, and do you think there's going to be any urgency impressed or is the attitude going to be, okay, it's one game. Let's get out of here with a sweep and, uh, steal uh, a home field advantage. I mean, these guys are professionals. I think they're going to be able to, you know, brush it off and um, bounce back. Um, I think at this point in the season, it's less about, you know, getting some time in the cages and more about uh, what's going on in their heads. So they just need to get their heads right for tomorrow. And you know what, if we come out swinging and we get some offense early, it's going to be fun to watch. 
Yeah, all it takes is one one run, a couple hits. I think they'll be fine. Tomorrow's a much better matchup. They weren't even they I don't think they were even putting necessarily bad at bats on it today. Um to go back to your plate discipline question, they got to a number of three two counts and the yeah, Astros pitchers for the most part just executed their pitches yeah. when they got there. Uh um tomorrow you've got Giolito who is a pretty good matchup for some of the guys who are killing them the most today with you know Jordan Alvarez and Michael Brantley are gonna have trouble with that change up potentially as will a lot of a lot of lefties uh the Framber Valdez does not have nearly as good control as McCullers does um He's a lefty who's going to be tough to square up, but he is not going to be pinpoint like Lance was today. If they can keep working the count and kind of take the same approach and just put slightly better swings on it and uh, maybe not just keep getting dotted up on two, two, three, two counts, then yeah, I think all it takes is a couple early, a couple early big hits and a couple early runs. And then, then things get rolling and it's like, it's like it never happened. And, well, no, they still, you know, lose the game. So. <laughs> it did. It did happen. But. Unfortunately, <laughs> the psychological aspect, you know, <laughs> I tell you, once you get Zach Hayes on a good run, man, it's hard to get him off of that run. No doubt about it. Um, how about the fact that, uh, uh, you know, Gio is going to come out. He had success in uh, his 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 only playoff. I mean, <laughs> suffice to say, great success on a perfect game through five or six uh, last year, just a year ago. Seem to come on pretty well and pitch about as well uh, in these short starts at the end of the season. Um, there's a lot of reason for confidence. And in a way, does this, does this flat uh, loss almost seem like it counts for more? I mean, it is still just one loss. And as Zach pointed out, I mean, there, there were a number of guys who worked counts deep. Uh, things just didn't click. And, you know, I, I seized right on Aloy because he probably looked the worst, you know, maybe in the game. But, uh, you know, they, they were good at bats and there was some solid contact. It seemed very, it was very frustrating because it the offense did look like it did sort of disappear, but then you sort of rally in late as well. So it's not as if the offense is off the rails. I, I didn't really get any uh, feeling that it was anything worse than one loss in a five game series, which you know, obviously that is a big deal because it is um, such a short series, but um, I am very optimistic. The, the stage is, not too big for Lucas Giolito. It's a tall order facing this Houston team, and it's going to be tougher than shutting down last year's um, athletics without Matt Chapman. Uh, but, I mean, Giolito has come into Houston and had great performances before, and I expect the White Sox to bounce back tomorrow. Obviously, they didn't have really any production from the bottom portion of their lineup today but I mean I, I'm feeling a bounce back game for them and um not I I think that Jimenez will have a big hit tomorrow digging deep it helps also uh you know I know we already did touch on it but the fact that there's a little bit of burn already in that bullpen now these guys aren't uh, you know, Presley's a young arm now. It's not to say he can't bounce back, but these guys aren't Liam. There are not many Liam Hendrickses out there. I mean, Lord knows Liam can go heel for five innings tomorrow because he didn't even he didn't even get to pitch today. So I mean, uh, the Sox key arms uh, are fresh. Uh, on the other hand, Houston in a six-one sort of runaway game uh, taxed two significant arms. Certainly, the closer is out there in a five-run with a five-run lead, looking down at the mound. Um, if there's, I mean, at this point, you got to almost feel good. Even a friend of Fran Valdez throws 
a solid, you know, has a similar uh, uh, start to McCullers, uh, gives them six, seven innings because there's still that bullpen to get to. And who knows what they're going to throw out next? I guess it's going to be Zach Granke throwing like, you know, EFIS pitches or something or, or his super slow curve. But I mean, at some point, there's no arms left. Uh, the White Sox have no excuse to uh, feel defeated tomorrow at all, even if it does start out frustrating for them, because they know they can tap in, even if Valdez maybe does have their number. Um, yeah, I think there's still, you know, there's a lot of reason for hope to still come away uh, stealing a victory and getting a split here. Yeah, I was kind of feeling like split. I, I mean, like I said, I didn't expect to win two games in Houston. Uh, and now they have the number one pitcher going in a pretty good matchup tomorrow, as we've kind of just talked about ad nauseum. It's just not, I, I don't think this feels as bad as you would expect a game one loss to feel. I mean, if Lance and Gio both get beat, then they were they were never going to win anything anyway. If the offense offense can't score more than two or three runs in two games in Houston, they were never going to win anything anyway. So, um, you know, like I said, it's just all all that's left to see is really can they can they come back and execute? And I have some faith that they will. We, as both of you have said, like we didn't really see anything today that we haven't seen before. So, kind of nothing to do but stay the course at this point. <laughs> It's funny that before the series started, I uh, predicted that we would go five, that we would win in five, and then we lose one game. And I'm like, oh, no, yeah. no, what I thought would happen is happening. Yeah. I, you know, you, you get, do get come back and get that win tomorrow, and you've got a best of three series with two of those games coming in Chicago, and suddenly you feel a lot better. And I think that's something that was clearly on Houston's mind uh, mm-hmm. with those bullpen decisions. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think I hope the Sox would recognize that and really um, come out and, and put it this way. I think if they, if they do manage to put up seven, eight hits tomorrow, I suspect they will probably have some better timing and better cluster luck where you'll say, you know, they won't just all come with nobody on or with uh, two outs or something like that. You know, they'll string. I'm a little more confident that they'll string, string some together because that's just the kind of thing that, I mean, it always swings back towards the mean a little bit. So. Yeah. I have a question. I have a question. Uh, considering the uh, uh, overall use and inexperience of the team, um, how big a role does Tony Larusa, the veteran manager, play in getting them? Don't make that face, Brett, and getting them to bounce back. I'll leave that to the field. I don't yeah, know. It's no. like in that clubhouse. I'm. I ain't got no press pass. Yeah. <laughs> if I did, I'd ask him, but. <laughs> That's a cop That's out, true. Hayes. That's a cop out. <laughs> yeah, you you want. I mean, this is the reason he's here. You know, Ricky was hunched over for Game Three last year, so he got fired. Um, and so, you know, that's I, presumably. I mean, other than all the jokes, uh, you know, about why he's here, this presumably would be a reason why he's here. So, you would think that there's a calm, there's a stay the course, there's a gamesmanship. You know, I'm not sure how much of it really was. Uh, can Jose Abreu play today? Or is it just, I want to dick around with uh, Dusty Baker with the whole lineup with the, he wrote out two lineups, but we didn't get it till five minutes before the game started. Yeah, that know, really worked out well for us. <laughs> yeah, whoops. <laughs> Maybe they should post so. it tonight. Uh, true. So, yeah, I mean, Jack, I think the answer is with, with none of us really having that insight that, geez, it better because I'm not sure, you know, otherwise he's just going to be drinking his tiny little water bottle in the um, dugout and just, you know, line himself up for more uh, social media jokes. So hopefully that's, 
that's not the case. I think there's, a, you know, there, there, there ought to be a plan in place. And so I think part of that is, hey, yeah, where Ricky was, you know, everybody's, uh, you know, everybody's dad, you know, maybe Tony can be this guy who, you know, gives them a shot in the arm in a way that might even actually be, might be a little more meaningful because that shot in the arm means, oh, okay, that comes with a World Series ring. That comes with the guy who sort of knows what he's doing is not afraid of Dusty Baker and his, his antics. So, uh, yeah, you hope. I mean, geez, you don't want to come back 0-2. And obviously, as X pointed out, if you come back 0-2, well, then this wasn't necessarily their series to win anyhow. But but even that's it. If this is a game that really pushes Houston, I mean, every time they got to go to that bullpen, uh, unless their starters really overperform, because this was the one guy who we, we felt was going to perform and put out a good start. And even he couldn't get to seventh through the seventh. Uh, you know, every time you're tapping into that bullpen, that's a nice advantage for the White Sox. And you shorten this series, as, as, as Zach is intimating, you know, if it's a best of three, where they got some arms that might have a little more fatigue than the White Sox do. And the White Sox have, even with Carlos Rodon, maybe your, your number three, number four, uh, being maybe a little limited, still stronger than what they're going to throw out there. Uh, that's a nice position to be in. And I don't think we can, even though we got outpitched today, I don't think you can overestimate the fact that the White Sox do have a clear advantage with the arms and that that really should, even with the White Sox defense being shaky compared to Houston, that that really should be the biggest factor here. For sure. It's, yeah, the bullpen even excluding fatigue, uh, I would have more confidence overall right. in the White Sox bullpen depth than the Astros and having um, – both Presley and and Graveman throw over 20 pitches was a, a very nice silver lining and that could pay dividends later on um, as, as far as the potential shot in the arm um, that Larusa could bring. I, yeah, that is something that I could maybe see him bring, but I it's a little bit hard to measure. Uh, and if there isn't really any change in intensity or performance, I'm not quite sure how much I would put that on, onto him. Uh, it's a little bit hard to measure. Um, like he, he can, like his capabilities in that department are kind of limited. Like he could do everything possible, but you know, it, they might just run into a pitcher having a really good day or um, an, an offense that's clicking on all cylinders. Like sometimes that just happens when you're just facing the wrong team at the wrong time. And um, so wouldn't necessarily hold that against La Russa if, if it comes to that. Zach would say, just make sure when you call for a reliever, have somebody warming up. Those are the things that make a Hold difference. So Tony get like semaphore, you know, with the flag waving and shit like that. <laughs> Absolutely. So like, you know, it, this is going to sound kind of weird actually, but I, I don't know if you can really, I was thinking about it more. Can you, how much credit or blame can you give Tony when it's a five game series? So many things can happen in a five game series. I think it just kind of highlights the stupidity of highlight of hiring a guy who's you know, probably lost them a few games in the regular season for this, you know, potential 11 to 15 to 17 game run where so many things could happen, then it really might not even matter who's yeah. managing, you know? And yeah. so I, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm almost kind of overthinking about it in that sense, just because there's been so much, so many, so many angry words spilled about it. Some many, many, many by yours truly, but, <laughs> but Zach, it's going to be such a feel good story, except for like all of us, but it's going to be such a feel good story when they win. Come on. Remember the feel good story, some redemption for Jerry Reinsdorf, but, but there's going to be a section of white Sox Twitter. That's just going to be insufferable. If it oh God. 
Already is, but yes, yes, it is, is going to be. Well, listen, I think we have managed to talk ourselves into feeling a little bit better. Well, I talked me into because I wasn't feeling terribly good about game two, but really we do have debatably our ace, our most consistent guy, our most healthy ace. Let's put it that way because poor Carlos has got partial shoulder and Lynn is pitching with sort of one and a half knees. And uh, so certainly our, our healthiest uh, strong pitcher. And then we're also sort of like overlooking Dylan Cease. Like he's not going to befuddle Houston when he pitches. I'm not sure if he has been named uh, game three. I think it's assumed he's game three, but whatever it's going to be, hopefully he is going to get the pitch if he's not doing game three. Uh, but I think he is going to, he has the potential to really flummox the uh, Houston lineup in a way that Lance Lynn just, just couldn't and hasn't this year. So what do you, you know, what are you going to do? This is uh, I'm not sure this is exactly, I think one of our staff members saying like, this is a, this is a loss to like burn the White Sox are like playing possum and they're going to go on a run the rest of the season. I'm not sure I would take it that far because I don't think I want to be down Oh uh, one, even if I can say, well, Ryan Presley seemed to really be struggling on the mound there. Uh, but you know, that said being down a game, uh, this isn't the worst position to be in. And this White Sox team could break out and break out quickly off of Valdez. So I guess that's what we're pointing to and hoping for. Uh, all right. Well, then let's wind this up with, uh, I guess, what each of you think is going to happen tomorrow. Come on, bring it on. I think I'm going to drink a lot. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Start with yourself. You don't even have to get to the team. Start with yourself. Okay, so we'll see. We'll be seeing a more blearied eye. Uh, medium to good vibes, Jackie Crestel tomorrow. Okay. No, I, I do think I, I have some some confidence in Giolito, and I have some confidence in the professional level of our offense to kind of snap out of it. Because, um, like Zach said, if we can't, then we don't. Yeah. We don't deserve it anyway. It'll be a different sort of podcast tomorrow if we're down O2, and it'll be oh, more like uh, I guess we'll start the. Uh, uh, the, the Festivus, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe early. I don't know. Uh, Joe, what do you think is going to happen tomorrow? Seven to four White Sox. They keep it alive. Now, of course you just blew past the fact that all your predictions are bad. So really it probably should have been like a 15 to one Houston win, but all right, I'll take you straight. I'll take you straight. Seven, four sounds right. And Eloy is going to have a, he's going to have a key moment in the game. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Zach, you've been carrying us here. You have dragged us into the good vibes. So I'm guessing it's going to be a good outcome for you tomorrow. I think Gio is going to do his job. I, I trust Gilito as much as anybody on the roster right now to yeah. execute when the moment is called. Uh, I think there's going to be a few big at-bats tomorrow and how they go will determine the fate of the game. I don't know. I don't think it's going to be, I don't think we're going to see any more five run games this series is what I'll say. Mm. I'd be surprised. Mm. Okay. Everybody, uh, as you see this post, uh, take a look around, look at all those little squares next to you on site recap and six pack and a little social media take and just a ton of coverage. We're giving you that each of these playoff games, whether it's just two more or it's going to be a run of, I don't know what that crazy numbers that came over like 17 more, whatever it is, we're going to be giving you that depth of coverage each time around. So I hope you've enjoyed reading it uh, and certainly hope you're enjoying listening to these pre and post game podcasts. No pregame tomorrow because good. No, it's like, a, it's like an NFL kickoff tomorrow. It's way, way too early to actually expect any of you find people to crowd early enough to talk about the game and have me and my technical competency get a podcast up before the game so people can listen. So this is also your pregame for game number two, but we'll be doing pregames under normal circumstances, certainly on Sunday. And we'll be talking to you on the podcast after the game, after a White Sox victory tomorrow in game two. And we'll be having a lot of fun discussing it. We will not need Zach Hayes, smiling Zach Hayes to carry us this time. We'll just all automatically be happy. Uh, so until then, thank you for uh, always reading, uh, watching a little bit here and there, and always listening to our Southside Sox podcast. Uh, thanks, Jackie. 
and Super Joe and Zach for taking the time to join me here. And we'll be back at you in about uh, 24 hours.